0: Hello and welcome to episode 35 of the 10 to track weekly world match previews podcast. I am your host, Soccer Noob. As always, I will be joined by my lovely nine year old daughter, co host, Person Noob. Glad to have you on board, honey. Hello. And we're going to be covering matches from Friday, June 11 through Thursday, June 17. Before I say anything else, let me put out there that, hey, we've missed you we've been off for a couple of weeks it was an unexpected hiatus my primary computer broke down now before we get into too much else about the podcast for you longer time listeners i've been wondering exactly why what happened with my laptop person who was the last one to use it a couple weeks ago and then when i tried to open it up the hard drive has crashed Now, she claims that she didn't do anything and was just fine when she shut it down. And I believed her. Until I remembered something from a couple episodes back where she sent a sound file, unbeknownst to me, to the management, that's the guy who does our production and editing, and asked him to splice it into the intro as a surprise to me. So let's get into the Wayback Machine and hear what she had to say. Hello, this is Person Noob. I'm making this with permission. But we have a new word. And it's called Nubadustra. Remember that. Noobadustra. Weird kid. In any case, I asked her about this word after the fact. And she was uh, very coy about what it might mean. And eventually said that it didn't really have a definition at all. Uh, and then more, this new word that she came up with uh, wasn't brought up by her at any other point in that episode or any other episode of the podcast. I had assumed that she simply doesn't understand that there's a narrative rule about loading a gun. You can't introduce something like that and then not, quote unquote, fire the gun. You have to do something with it. But now, I find myself wondering, because it sort of has this feel to it, if nubidustra is maybe some sort of dark magical curse it it just sounds like that when it comes off the tongue now let me just say should i discover that she cursed my laptop for some reason with dark football magic it's going to be a very very long summer for that nine-year-old all right that all said let's not dwell solely on the negative We are back, after all, and we're ready to give you mini-previews on the 10 best, most important matches in the world. As we define them here at Team Noob, which ones do we choose? Uh, Select international matches uh, that might involve super great teams or might involve uh, dark horses in their tournaments. And as always, first versus second place matchups from top flight leagues from around the world. So, with no further ado, let's dive right in with... Match number one. We'd like to keep things chronologically oriented. So turning our calendar to Saturday, we didn't happen to have any Friday matches that made our cut for this particular episode. We're going to stay close to home. We like to lean CONCACAF. calf. ...and take a look at the international friendly between the men's national teams of Mexico and Honduras. You can catch this on TV, by the way, if you get Univision, It's going to be on at 7.30 Eastern. Uh, Mexico, I believe this is all time, have a 5-3-2 record against Honduras. And uh, they haven't played since 2017. Now, since a lot of our audience is already going to know a lot about the Mexican men's national team, just going to, for the sake of brevity, talk a little bit about the underdogs, the visiting team from Honduras... That's considered really the number four team, probably in all of CONCACAF. They're rated number uh, 67 overall by FIFA. In contrast, Mexico nearly top 10. They're coming in with FIFA at number 11 in the world. I believe they're on an 0 2 4 streak right now and haven't been able to keep a single clean sheet. Uh, They lost to the Nations League third-place match to Costa Rica, though, so they did have a pretty good run in that fairly recent event. Uh, Historically, they have made three World Cups in the past, two of them within the last decade, roughly, 2010 and 2014. They've yet to win a single match at that particular level, though. More on their level, they did win the Central American Cup in 2017. Uh, If you're a newer fan like me and that name wasn't familiar to you, it's, uh, you can imagine what it is just based on the name, but effectively it's been absorbed into what is now uh, the Nations League for CONCACAF. Turning up, tuning up rather for the Gold Cup right now, as well as World Cup qualifiers. Uh, Let's see, they're going to be uh, playing in their group uh, Granada, I believe El Salvador, and then uh, guest team Qatar from the Asian Football Confederation. Some key players to look for. uh, Maynor Figueroa, he is a, a center back. He's the captain, 167 national team caps, 38 years old, and Houston Dynamo fans. Yes, I know you know him well. I believe he's been there a very long time. See, USA Connections, other ones, Boniac Garcia, he is a midfielder, also at Houston. He's the one that's been with the team a very long time, since 2012, 36 years old, well over 100 national team caps. Uh, Brian Acosta, a little bit younger, 27, nearly 50 national team caps for his country, plays for Dallas. And uh, where I think they're going to run into trouble is on the offensive side. They are really young up front. No one that I believe they're going to be starting in any of the uh, attacking positions has more than 10 national team goals. The defense is where they're going to be able to shore things up, also helping with that. Uh, Luis Lopez, he plays with Real España down there, but has been uh, loaned out in the past to uh, LAFC in the MLS and Orange County in the USL Championship. Match number B. Thank you, as always, dearest daughter, Mon noob for reminding us that number two is bathroom talk. Join the quiet but necessary revolution that is number B. Use it frequently in your daily lives, New Bites. And now back to the football and for our second match, uh, we're headed to CONCACAF. Uh, It's World Cup qualification time. Uh, The match we're gonna talk about, this is the first leg of a two-legged tie. The second match of the pair between these two teams is going to be on the 15th. Wish I was gonna be able to cover both, but we don't know how the first is gonna turn out, so can't really do much with the second one. Here's Here's how things are working for this stage. First of all, the winners from the first round groups of either four or five teams each, The winners of those get to play one another, just one pair off each for the right to get into the Hex, the third and final qualifying stage. The top five teams in CONCACAF get a pass. They're already through. So the winners of these three second round games will get to go into the Hex as well. The game I've chosen to highlight is St. Kitts and Nevis versus El Salvador. If you're so inclined and have a deep enough cable package, you can catch this on Universo at 4 p.m. on Saturday. Uh, St. Kitts and Nevis, a little bit about them first. The Sugar Boys, and you spell it with Z-Hip Kids because that way you know it's hip. I guess it must still be 1989 down there somehow. In any case, the team was ranked 135th by FIFA. They are uh, considered uh, to be right around uh, just inside probably the top 15 uh, national teams in CONCACAF. Uh, give you some perspective worldwide, uh, the 135th rank probably puts them right about behind Lithuania. Not one of the giants of Europe, but not one of the smallest countries either. Not too shabby. Now, the Sugar Boys won Group F, and what's uh, neat or interesting about that is U.S. men's national team fans, they beat Trinidad and Tobago in the group by one point. So we don't get a chance to get revenge against Trinidad and Tobago for uh, helping, uh, well, playing a key role in keeping us out of uh, the World Cup in its last cycle. Instead, St. Kitts and Nevis. How have they been doing? Well, they went 3-0-1 in the previous stage. They lost uh, 0-2 to Trinidad and Tobago. But they've kept uh, all three of their other games were clean sheets. Didn't give up any goals. little history. In 2006, they qualified for the World Cup. And then a little bit closer to home in the Caribbean Cup, Uh, They finished fourth place, 1993, and uh, four years later, they finished in second place. Oddly enough, they've never qualified for the Gold Cup, which is the CONCACAF National Team Championships. Most recently, in uh, the new Nations League tournament, they went uh, one, two, and three in that, and so they will be getting demoted from the middle of the three groups that CONCACAF was divided into for it, and they'll be kicked down to the bottom one. Key players to look for, uh, goalkeeper uh, Julani Archibald. He's got 40 caps for this national team. He plays for uh, Real de Minas in uh, Honduras. Thrizen leader is their leader, 75 caps. I believe that's the most on the team. And he plays for St. Paul's United down there in the home league. And then uh, most likely to be helping out in the scoring, forward Harry Paneotto. Uh, He plays currently for, if you're an English football fan, you could recognize his name, but you've got to go somewhat deep on the pyramid. Plays for a club called Aldershot Town, which is all the way down in the fifth tier. He was actually born in the city of Leicester, and Leicester FC had the rights to him from 2012 through 16, uh, but he was mostly loaned out. I think he got to make one appearance. And then also worth noting, Keith Roy Freeman. Uh, He had four goals in uh, the first round of this tournament. He's their striker, also plays for St. Paul's United down there and could be a key man to look for. Meanwhile, certainly your favorites, El Salvador. Uh, They're considered the sixth best in CONCACAF, number 69 ranked in FIFA. Uh, They won won their group by two points over Montserrat. And they went three one and zero, and their only draw was at Montserrat, and that was a one one draw because that was the only goal they goal they gave up. They went thirteen and one for goal differential. Uh, they've made the World Cup a couple of times, nineteen seventy and nineteen eighty two. They even managed to score one time. Didn't get any wins, but did get one goal. A Gold Cup, they've got some history. They made the quarterfinals in 2017. And going a little bit further back, they finished in second place in 1981 and then also in 1963. In the, once again, uh, most recent tournament, Nations League, they went 5-0-1 in their Division B group. They're going to get promoted to the uh, top group for the next iteration. Uh, That left them roughly 14th place overall, I believe key players to look for and some usa connections we have actually got several of those uh their big star is darwin seren he is a midfielder uh plays for the houston dynamo in mls he's got 61 national team caps doesn't score a lot better on defense and distribution uh mls fans yes i know he also played for san jose and orlando Then we also have Walmer Martinez. He's got just a couple of uh, national team caps. He has played for USL League 2. I believe that's considered uh, fourth tier of the U.S., but he's played for Hartford Athletic and the Des Moines Medicine area where I used to live. And then another USA connection, uh, Joaquin Rivas. He does some midfield work for them and can play some forward. And he also plays for Tulsa in uh, the USL Championship, the second tier in America. Uh, Nelson Bonilla, he is probably the key to their offense. He's a 446 46 national caps. Uh, plays for Port FC over in Thailand. If this team has any weakness, if the other team can get, uh, St. Kitts of Nevis can get any kind of offense going, El Salvador is incredibly young at goalkeeper. I believe the three they're going to have on the roster for this game have only four national team caps between them. So if this thing becomes something of a high-scoring affair, could be advantage St. Kitts and Nevis. Match number three. Staying on Saturday for our third match, we head to Angola. Their top flight, if I'm getting the pronunciation right, is Girabola. I believe that it is a hard G. Not sure about my Portuguese, as they were a colony of Portugal. In any case, this is the number 10 rated league in the African Football Confederation, and uh, that's great for them because the top 12 get to place two teams in the Champions League every year instead of just one. And then they also get a third-place team into the Confederations Cup, which is their version of the Europa League from Europe. And they're about two-thirds of the way through the season. And your matchup is a uh, second-place Petro de Luanda versus number one, Primero de Augusto. They are tied in the standings right now, and they both lead Sagrada Esperanza by just two. Uh, the two have already played once this year and Primero de Augusto won one nil at home. A little bit about each. We will start with the home side, Petro de Luanda, Luanda being the capital of Angola. Uh, this is a club with 15 league titles and, uh, They were second place in the last full season, which would be two years ago. Last year's season was abandoned due to the pandemic at about this point last season. They were number one when it got abandoned, interestingly. (laughs) As far as their Champions League endeavors, I don't believe that they've ever gotten past the group stage, but they have gone the last couple of years and several times before. Uh, this year, they have the number one offense in the league running and the number three defense statistically. Key player to look for in this one is going to be number one league scorer, the single named Azulao from Brazil, a forward. He's 33 years old and uh, last season was in Europe with uh, the Cypriot, uh, Cyprus team, Olympiakos, uh, Nicosia. And then your road challengers, Premiro de Augusto. They are also from Luanda. And this is a team that is directly affiliated with the armed forces of the country. Uh, they were number one in the last full season. Uh, second place last year when the season got abandoned at this point. 13 league titles, officially the two-time defending champions. So these are the two real powerhouses of the league, meeting once again, probably for the title by the time things are all said and done. They lost in the Champions League preliminary round last year, which was a bit of a surprise, especially considering that they made it all the way to the semifinals the year before, and that was their best ever African Champions League finish. This year, very well-balanced, second-best offense and defense, and the possible man of the match for them, I would think, number three league scorer, Mabululu, a homegrown striker. Match Match number number four. And we get to go to an exotic locale for our fourth and final season. Saturday match, we're off to League One of Tahiti. This is considered by most to be the fourth best league in the OFC. That's the Oceania Football Confederation. Uh, they get to place two teams into the Champions League since they're ranked so highly. This is the very last match of their entire season. They played their regular season or first stage, and then, like so many leagues in the world, they split into top half and bottom half championship round and relegation round. And your matchup is going to be the top two teams, of course, as we like to do here. By the way, interesting side note before I get into that. This is one of the few leagues in the world that doesn't follow the traditional uh, points for wins and such. In Tahiti, you get four points if you win. Each team gets two points if there's a draw. And if you lose by something other than forfeit, and apparently that happens a lot, teams just not showing up for some reason, I guess they find better things to do in Tahiti, perhaps. If you just show up and play and lose, you still get a point. In any case, I believe the rankings of the teams are number one, P-Ray, and they are playing host to second place. Uh, Venus. I'm going to pronounce it Venus just because I'm not sure about my French. Now, I'm a little bit confused on the rankings because here in the championship round, they're both tied at 20 points after five games. They're playing a single round robin and they get to play six total games. But they're not both undefeated. Uh, Pire just appears by a different source that I saw to have had a draw against third place AS I'm not even sure how to pronounce it. P U E U. Pueu, I guess I will go with. So I'm not sure which team is number one and which team is number two, only that these two are the top two and will be going to the XOMC uh, Champions League. In any case, a little bit about each. Uh, Pirate, that's P I R A E. They're from a town on the northwest side of the island by the same name, of about 14,000. They made the Champions League Finals in 2006 for the OFC, and then more recently the Semifinals in 2013-14. Domestically, very, very good nine-league titles, and they are the defending champs. They, uh, again, just had that draw 3-3 against A.S. Uh, Pueyo, I believe. Number one offense by a mile, and that's saying a lot because... I've been following Tahiti for three or four years, and they don't play anything resembling defense down there. The number of goals scored is just, if you look it up online, you think you'll be seeing some misinformation or a typo the first time. They also have the second bestie. Meanwhile, your challengers from the road, Venus, they are from the town of Mahina, which is in the north-central part of the country, about the same size. Uh, But they get uh, one little claim to fame, the University of French Polynesia is there. Not really soccer-oriented, but just like to find those little side things. And this is the traditional powerhouse in Tahiti. Historically, they are considered the number one team. And in all of the uh, OFC, they're considered to be number 14 by the organization. Uh, They had qualified for the knockout stage for the Champions League last year when it got abandoned due to COVID. Uh, They also made the semifinals in 1999 and 2001, uh, their best finishes. Ten league titles, and they won it back just in 2019, most recently. Uh, Last year, they were in second place. This year, just the number four offense in the league that isn't all that big, but the number one defense going in the championship round in the five games they've played so far, they have not allowed a single goal match number five and now for the first of your sunday matches we once again return close to or literally home at least if you're stateside as we'll take a look at the international friendly league that's going to be played between the usa women's national team and that of visiting jamaica i think I've seen conflicting sources. One didn't show any TV source, but that you should be able to find this on FS1. In any case, it's going to be played very late, uh, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And it's going to be at the BBVA Stadium in Houston, where the Houston Dynamo of the MLS and NWSL's Houston Dash play. Uh, USA last played them in 2018 World Cup qualifiers and won six nil now because i know that you probably if you're listening to this podcast listen to lots of other ones you probably already know lots about the women's national team so instead of going that direction as i often do i will simply give you some details on the visiting team jamaica they are known as the reggae girls and for the second time this podcast we have a team that Ends their name in a Z. I didn't realize that the Z had made a comeback. Uh, Very interesting in that in 2006, after this team didn't get out of olympic qualifying group stage the team ended up having to disband for financial reasons and so they didn't have a women's national team in jamaica until 2014. as things stand now a gal named and i'm hoping getting the pronunciation right Sedella marley who is the daughter of famous musician bob marley is an ambassador for the team and gives very direct financial support so that they can continue to exist and play In 2019, they actually did qualify for the World Cup. I think that that is the only time. They did lose all their group stays matches, but just fabulous that they were able to get there given that they hadn't even existed five years before. Uh, Jamaica's team, the gals, are rated number five in CONCACAF and number 51 in FIFA. Uh, As far as recent matches, they beat Nigeria just a few days ago, 1-0. And that is the number one women's team in all of Africa and the number 38 rated team by FIFA. So that was quite the upset for them. We've got some USA players for uh, key gals to watch for this one, uh, people with USA connections. Sydney Schneider plays for the Jamaican Women's National Team through a connection to her maternal grandparents. She's actually U.S. born and she plays for the Washington Spirit. And then uh, she's got a teammate on there chinyelu asher another midfielder also plays for the spirit i don't think that she's had a chance to appear for the spirit this year and i'm not sure if that's due to injury or if she's simply a reserve and then finally and oddly enough she might be their most experienced frontline player jody brown she's a college player just 19 years old plays for florida state match number six another sunday match and we head to europe I doubt that we've ever had to wait this long into the podcast before to get to a European matchup, but the majority of leagues are done, and what we have now uh, left are called the uh, Summer Leagues over there, the Northern European countries taking advantage of the warmer temperatures, and we head to Kazakhstan's Premier League. This is the number 27-rated league in UEFA, and as such is probably the best of the leagues that are playing over in Europe, those Summer Leagues, and they're only about halfway through the season. Given their rating, they still only get one Champions League berth, and that team has to start in the first qualifying round. They do get the usual two Europa Conference League berths. Those teams will start in the second qualifying round or instead of the first. And for any listeners who are newer like me and not familiar, the ECL is a tournament that's going to be below the Europa League. So Champions League, Europa League, and then the ECL, and that's going to be played for the first time this coming year. Your matchup is number one, FC Astana versus number B, Tobol Kostanay. Astana lead the league by three right now, and then Tobol in turn lead third place, Kyrat by seven. So it's really starting to look like it's going to be a two-horse race. When they played at Tobol earlier this season, the result was a 1-1 draw a little bit about each Astana they are known as the locomotive and they play out of the capital city which is now known as Nur Sultan Um, for about 20 years prior to uh, pretty recently it was known as Astana and then had a different name before that the club itself was founded just in 2009 give some perspective where the good teams in this league are in the overall European scheme of things uh, this is uh, probably ranked, uh, from what I saw, in the top 70 in UEFA. It's right behind uh, a decent, if not great, team in Germany in those coefficients, uh, Hoffenheim in the Bundesliga. Astana has won six league titles, and uh, including in 2014 and nineteen. In 2015, when they went to the Champions League, they did make it all the way to the group stage, and that's the best finish they've ever had. And in the Europa League two years later, 2017, they actually cleared the group stage and made it to the round of 32. Only time they've ever been to a knockout round in either of those. Uh, Last year, they just finished number three in the league. This year, they are undefeated so far. Uh, but they have had four draws, and I guess they're on a little bit of a not-losing streak, but a less-than-ideal streak. They've only managed to earn draws their last two matches, so who knows, maybe Tabal can come in and get at least one point on the road if they're having some trouble there. That said, this team is number one on offense of the league, scoring over two times per game, second-best defense as well. Uh, Key player to look for, number one league scorer, Marin Tomasov, he's from Croatia, veteran winger, and he has only, he's been with this club a long time. Seven more goals and he will have tied the all-time club record held by Patrick Twisami. I'm sorry, Twomasi. In any case, now our visitors, Tobol, they are in the town of Katsani, which is in the, uh, Kostani rather, which is in the north central part of the country on the Tobol River. And uh, the city has well over 200,000 people. They've only had one loss on the season so far, but wow, you got to wonder what happened. It was to a really bad team, and at home they lost to second, uh, second to last place Shakhtar Karagandy. They've only ever won the league one time before, and that was a decade back in 2010. Uh, best finish in the Champions League. Well, I guess perhaps their only one. They made it to the second qualifying round last year in the league. They finished in uh, in second place. This year, the number two offense going. Defense is where their bread really gets buttered, though. I believe they're the only team in the league letting in well under one goal per match. They've just conceded eight so far. And because of that, they are tied with their opponents today uh, for goal differential on the year. Possible key players tied for number four in league scoring is Nemanja Nikolic, a Serbian center forward, and then tied for number one on the other side of the field in goalkeeping, statistically, Alexander Mokin, very long in the Soccer 2, 39 years old, and a little ironically, he played for Astana just two years ago, although as good as he's been this year, when he played for Astana, he only made five appearances. Match number seven. And with this seventh match, we wrap up our weekend coverage by heading back to Africa, the Premier League of Nigeria. Another very good one. This is the number eight rated league in the CAF, uh, like the one we mentioned earlier. Angola, they get two Champions League berths and one Confederation Cup berth, and they're about two-thirds of the way through the season there, and one heck of a race is shaping up. Our match, as usual on this podcast, for the most part, is another one versus two. It is number B, Kano Pillars, that's K-N-A-O, versus number one, Aqua United, A-K-W-A. Uh Aqua lead by just one point, and then Cano, in turn, lead two teams by just two points. So anything but a two-horse race going on here. This is the second time these two will have played this year. Aqua won the first match at home 1-0. First, Cano Pillars will visit them. Uh, That is the population center of the northwest zone of the country. A big city of about 4 million people. I was embarrassed to not really be familiar with it. And if you like horses, you might well be familiar with it. There's a huge equestrian festival there called the Durbar Festival annually. Uh, The team nickname, I'm not sure that my online translator was real great. It seemed to say those that own or the owners. Uh, Maybe it's more like boss. Not really sure there, but it was interesting. They have four league titles to their credit, but they haven't won it since 2014. Uh, They made the Champions League semifinals in 2009, their best ever finish, and uh, their greatest result perhaps in club history because they are also nicknamed the Ailey Killers. They had a famous 2-2 draw that year in the Champions League with African great Al Ailey out of Egypt. Uh, They were number six in the table last year, about this time when the season got abandoned due to COVID. This year, statistically, it's a little surprising they're doing so well. Just tied for number six on offense, fourth best defense. And that puts them where you would expect as far as goal differential, uh, being in the fifth position in that regard statistically, as I look at my notes. Tied for number one in league scoring. If you follow this country at all, you will know his name, Rabiu. Ali. He is 40 years old, easily the club's all-time greatest player, and might arguably be the best player in the entire nation's history. I know he's been with this club since at least 2011, and I'm not sure he's played anywhere else. And He's got at least 100 goals to his credit. And then help him setting him up, I always like to see defensive players getting in the offensive stat category. Number one in league assists is Awalu Ali Malam, defender with four goals. Meanwhile, Aqua United, they play out of the capital of the Aqua Ibom State. Uh, it's spelled U-Y-O, so I'll pronounce it U-Y-O, but you may know better than I. It's in the south-central part of the country, city of about a half million. They were in eighth place last year when this season got abandoned. Uh, 2018, they made it to the third round of the Confederations Cup, and that's their uh, best ever international finish because they've never won the champions or uh, never won the league. Uh, they did win the FA Cup, however, in 2015 and in 2017, so no strangers to hoisting trophies. This year, second best offense, and then the number one defense and goal differential in the league. Even on the road, I think I would pick Aqua United to be able to pick up at least a point, if not a victory here. Tied for number four in league scoring, key to their offense, is Charles at Shimene, And then tied for number four in assists, is a very problem child sort of player for them. Uh, in DeFrake Effiong, I'm sure I'm butchering the pronunciation, but uh, they've been eager to get rid of him. He crosses a lot of problems and arguments on the team, and he was linked to and Talyaspore in Turkey last year. I have a feeling he won't be with Aqua a whole lot longer. Match number eight. The weekend may be done, but not our tracking. Match number eight is on Monday. There are going to be matches all week long for the Euros, the European National Team Championships, and the match that I've chosen to highlight for this week is a Monday match. First, just a little bit for some of our newer fan listeners about the event this was supposed to be taking place last year but it got postponed because of the pandemic it's held quadrennially, every four years and uh usually in the even numbered ones that don't have a world cup in them the format this year six groups of four They're gonna play a single round robin. The top two are going to advance to the knockout stage out of each group, as well as the four best number three finishers, for a total of 16 teams into the bracketed stage. Uh, Normally the tournament is held in one, or a couple times I believe it's been held at two host sites. This time, I believe, uh, in honor of the 60th anniversary of the tournament, they're holding it in 11 different countries around Europe. And the match, let's get to it, is Scotland's men's national team versus that of the Czech Republic, and it's going to be on... ESPN at 9 a.m. if you want to get up early enough and watch that and don't have to go into work. Then 9 a.m. is Eastern Time, if I didn't say so. And Scotland is one of the host nations. It's going to be at their national stadium, Hampton Park in Glasgow. Uh, These two teams are in Group D with England and Croatia. Most people would certainly pick those two as the favorites to advance from the top two positions, although a lot of people do have Scotland as something of a dark horse. And Scotland holds a 3-1-1 all-time advantage against the Czech Republic in all competitions. First, a little bit about the hosts. Scottish men's national team is the oldest in the world, along with England's. Dates back to 1872. I love the nickname for their fans, the Tartan Army. Rankings-wise, in UEFA, they are considered 27th best, right in the middle of the coefficients. In UEFA, you don't have to go too much further down the list. They are number 44. Uh, They have eight World Cup appearances to their credit historically. None of them are this century, though, and they have never gotten past the group stage before. Interestingly, even though they've made eight of the World Cups, this is only the third time they've actually qualified for the Euros. Twice in the 1990s, and they finished number three in the group stage and didn't get to advance either of those two more recent times. They qualified uh, for this via the Nations League, the new tournament that got played last year. They had to win a playoff game against Serbia, and they uh, just barely won that. It went to penalty kicks. They played in the uh, Division B, the second one, and they finished in second place in their group and were considered to be uh, number 23 overall based on their stats. In the uh, traditional qualifying event for this tournament in their group stage, they finished uh, in third place behind Belgium and Russia. They had the third best offense and the fourth best defense. They had a lot of trouble for some reason, giving up almost two goals per game. Uh, Over their last five matches, however, they have not been held scoreless, uh, nor have they lost, and that includes uh, friendlies and World Cup qualifying matches, including a very impressive 2-2 draw at the Netherlands. Uh, Key players to look for, uh, not sure who's going to be starting in goal. They have two guys in their mid to late 30s, David Marshall, the place for Derby County over the championship in England, or they could be starting Craig Gordon, who played Uh, plays rather for heart of midlothian which is usually in the premiership i believe over in scotland uh they got demoted last year and then just laid waste to the field this year will be re-promoted back to the top league and then midfielder john mcginn is probably their top scoring threat he plays for aston villa over in england's premier league and uh I really think that the goalkeeping is going to look good, but I think you need some veteran presence up front, and they are very, very young at the forward position. So I look for, even though other people have them kind of as a uh, dark horse or a Cinderella, I look for Scotland to have uh, some trouble scoring here in the group stage. Meanwhile, the Czech Republic, UEFA ranks them number 23. They're number 40 in uh, FIFA, so this will be a really competitively balanced match. They've only made the World Cup one time. That was back 2006 and they did not advance past the group stage they have been making the euros every year since uh the czech republic split from slovakia and uh last year they only made it to the uh, group stage and they didn't win any games but if you go back to 2004 they made it all the way to the semi-finals uh the nations league this past year they won their group in the division b uh, their weakness is going to be scoring as well. This might be a very low-scoring one. They they don't have trouble getting goals in some of their matches, but once they are playing competitions that's as good or better than them, uh, the goal scoring really tends to peter out. In the uh, World Cup qualifying, they finished number two in their group behind England. To truth be told, outside of England, it was kind of an easy group. They had Kosovo, Montenegro, and uh, Bulgaria. They were tied for second place on goals as well as on defense statistically. Now, the thing they can hang their hat on, though, is that they give England their only loss of that stage 2-1. to one. And in their last five matches, they are 2-2-1 two, two and one across all competitions, including friendlies, all this year. They had a 1-1 draw over that stretch with Belgium as well. Very impressive, as that was in World Cup qualifying. Key players to look for. Goalkeeper Tomas Vatslik, who plays for uh, Sevilla over in Spain. 71 national team appearances. Or not national team, I'm sorry. 71 appearances for Sevilla. So I'm not sure he's a regular starter over there. And then they've got uh, key player, midfielder and captain, Vladimir Darida, Uh plays for Hertha Berlin. Uh, over in Germany, which just barely avoided relegation this last year. Their best scoring option, they've got a bunch, is probably Patrick Schick, uh, plays for Bayer Leverkusen over in the Bundesliga, and he's just 25 years old. I really like watching him play, and I think he's going to have a very, very good tournament. Uh, he, it's not like he's small, but he's also very, uh, I don't know how to say it, uh, elegant, both on and off the ball he can play with his back to the he can play with his back to the goal so it's not like he's a you know afraid of anything and can be physically imposing but he is also very very good in the air very very good with his ball control and the Czech republic has enough offensive players that Scotland are going to have to mark that i think this guy will get left out because he's so young and have a very very good tournament match number 9 another monday match We head back to Africa once more for the AFCON, the African Cup of Nations qualifying stage. The AFCON is the equivalent uh, to the European Championships. It's all the national teams. Uh, The format's pretty simple. Groups of four have been playing double round robins, and the top two of each will advance to the AFCON proper. And this is the very, very last match between any two teams to be played for the entire qualifying event. It was actually scheduled to be played on March 30th, but right before kickoff, uh, the Benin men's national team got told that a bunch of their players weren't going to be allowed to play because of a positive COVID test. Uh, The Benin management uh, called shenanigans. Uh, It looks like uh, the CAF agreed because they were allowed to postpone the match until now so that presumably everybody could play. And the match in this group, Group L, is number three, Sierra Leone, versus second place, Benin. And it's going to be played at a neutral site, uh, Conakry, in the country of Guinea. Uh, Benin won the first match between these two 1-0. Benin currently leads Sierra Leone by three and by two on goal differentials. So, if I've got it right, looking at the various tiebreakers, basically... To advance, Sierra Leone have to win, and they have to win by two. If they do and get everything tied up in terms of goal differential, they have the tiebreaker in order to advance. Now, a little bit about each Sierra Leone. They are known as the Leone Stars, and if you haven't heard very much about them in recent years, well, that's because they were suspended completely from fifa for 2019 for government interference uh somebody from the government came in and fired their fa leader basically and fifa doesn't uh, do anything but frown on that for the most part They've, this team has never made the world cup uh they played in the afcon proper twice in the 90s uh but they haven't been past the group stage Uh, For this event, for qualifying, they've had the second-best offense and defense in the group. And it's interesting that they're in position to even potentially advance because they've done it without having to win a game yet. They are 0-4-1. Their last two matches have both been scoreless draws, but don't think that that means that they can't score necessarily. They actually managed a 4-4 draw against Nigeria earlier in this event, and that is a very, very tough thing to do. Nigeria is very good. Uh, this is the number 29 rated team in Africa, so right about in the middle or just below, and number 115 in FIFA. Key players to look for, and uh, they are USA Connections. They have a very good defender named Mustafa uh, Dumboya, who plays for the USL Championship. That's the second tier in America. Tampa Bay Rowdies. He also in the past has played for uh, USL Championship team Phoenix Rising. And then their big star uh, playing in the US for Minnesota United is Kai Kamara. He's got the third most national team caps on the team. He's spent almost in t- his entire career in the US, though, interestingly. And the best all-around player, and I'm embarrassed because I couldn't confirm whether or not they're related. I don't know if this is a common last name from there or not, but Alhaji Kamara, who plays center forward. Uh, He also plays his club play in Europe, plays for Randers, a decent team over in Denmark. But MLS fans will be familiar with him because he has done some play for D.C. United, although he spent one of those two seasons largely loaned out to Richmond Kickers, who now play in the third tier, the USL1 in America soccer. And then Benin, if you need a reason to root for one of these two teams, why not? Unless you're a Big Kai Kamara fan, root for the Squirrels. Yeah, I don't think I've run into another team with that particular name. Stars are fine, but Squirrels, that takes the cake. Uh, This team is rated uh, better, number 18 in Africa and number 88 by FIFA. Uh, They tend to play things very close to the vest or what is uh, disaffectionately known as parking the bus. They have only scored and conceded three goals for this entire qualifying group stage. Uh, Like their opponents today, they've never been to the World Cup. They have been to uh, the AFCON proper four times, all four times in this century, but they've never gotten past the group stage. Their last four matches, they are 2-2-1, two, two and one, and they've always been low-scoring affairs, of course, for both teams. Uh, their all-around best player, not surprisingly, is a defender named uh, Khaled Adenon, if I'm getting my emphasis on the right syllable. Um, if you're a European football fan, there's a chance you may know him. He played for Amiens for the heart of his career, which is something of a yo-yo team that's bounced back and forth between the top two leagues in France for their history. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Our final, at least official, match of the 10-to-track, fear not, we still have our super fun bonus matches to go, is a Tuesday match, and it takes us to Asia. They are having their World Cup qualifying event as well. There, you will find eight groups of five playing a double round robin, and the winners, and either four or five, I'm not sure what the fifth one depends on, runners-up will get to advance to the asian world cup qualifying third round so this is not their final stage there's one more to go interestingly they also use this qualifying event uh as a qualifying event for the 2023 asian cup which is their continental championships just like europe has the euros and uh, africa has the afcon now i say it's a qualifying event and that's only sort of true All the teams in Asia get to participate in some fashion in the Asian Cup. The question is which round they're going to start in. And the teams that do the worst in each of those groups will technically not be in the event proper. They'll have to play additional qualifying rounds as part of the Asian Cup in order to advance to uh, the true opening or the group stage. In any event, all that said... I think the most interesting of the matches going on for the AFCWCQ this week is the Tuesday match between second place in their group, Iran, versus number one, Iraq. And you would expect that to be the other way around. This has been quite the surprise that Iraq lead by two in the table, although they are way, way, way behind on goal differential now bahrain technically in third place are still alive in this group but you want to talk about uh quote-unquote technically they need iran to lose and then bahrain needs to win their last match and between those two results have to make up 23 in goal differential in order to overtake iran so Let's just say it's down to these two teams. They're both going to advance It's just a question of which has the advantage of winning. Iraq won the first match 2-1, to one, but that said, Iran have the overall lead handily between these two teams, 15-7-6 record. First, a bit about Iran. They are known as the Cheetahs, which is cool because I wasn't even sure... I didn't know that there was an Asiatic version, but in fact there is. Uh, The reason it's a surprise that they're in second place with just one match to go in the group stage is that they are the number one ranked team in the AFC. And in fact, almost are in the top 20 in FIFA's overall worldwide rankings. They've got the number one offense going in the group, and it has been insane that they have lost two games because they have scored almost five goals per match. Wow. And then they've got tied for the second-best defense. They've only conceded four goals. And yet, again, basically they've been beating up on the Minnows, and they've lost to the second- and third-place teams because they did lose 0-1 to Bahrain earlier. Uh, They have now won six straight, though, in uh, this and some friendlies that they've played over the last year or so. They have been to the World Cup five different times, three of the times this century, and in the last two, they never managed to uh, get past the group stage, which is kind of surprising given they're the the number one team out of this continent, at least right now. Uh, They made the Asian Cup semifinals in 2019, and they've actually won the whole shebang three different times, but all three of those times they got to hoist the trophy were all about uh, 50 years ago, the 60s and 70s, if memory serves. Meanwhile, let's talk about Iraq, your front runners. Surprising. They are known as the Lions, which is not so surprising because every other team in the world is nicknamed the Lions, it seems like so. I think I might root for the Cheetahs. In any case, Iraq, they are the number nine rated team in the AFC, and just number 76 in FIFA, and yet they are undefeated here in this group stage 5-2-0 and, oh, and are 6-3-0 oh in their last nine going back through 2020 between this event and friendlies, and they have been doing it on defense. Over this entire stretch of nine games that I just mentioned, the only team to score twice on them was in a friendly versus nepal which i'm sure is a team they could probably dominate no offense nepal uh team noob loves you used to work with a guy from nepal big fan of their leagues uh they made the world cup just one time and that was all the way back in 1986 they didn't get past the group stage there Uh, the asian cup they made the round of 16 last year and they actually won they won the whole thing in 2007. For this group stage, they've been very well-balanced, number two offense, scoring twice uh, per match, and tied for the second-best defense. Uh, key man of the match possibility to look for on the scoring leaderboard for this event is their striker, uh, Mohanad Ali, and he is just 20 years old. Despite that, European fans may recognize his name. Um, all to hail a very excellent team out of Qatar, have the rights to him, but they have largely or entirely rolled... Uh, loaned him out rather either to Alsalia in Qatar or he's also made some appearances for Portuguese top flight side Portimonense. With the official 10 now done and ready to track for the coming week it's time to do the bonus matches perhaps my very favorite part of the podcast and how do we choose these well. I put up polls on Twitter, Soccer Noob USA is my handle there. You kindly folks vote on them and the winners get featured. Our first match, we scoured the globe looking for first versus last place matches so that we can feature one for you that we call the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week excellent job on the homemade echo sound effect as always person noob i appreciate your efforts and the winning match was a sunday match and we're headed to the faroe Islands, sort of part of denmark but not really their premier league is rigged in number 44 by uefa and that is up three from a year ago this is one of those summer leagues we talked about before they're almost halfway through their season and <laughs> we get to test my lack of skills, if you will, of Faroese language here. Number one, Klaxui, uh K-L-A-K-S-V-I-K. Uh, they're just as commonly known as K-I. I'll probably call them that going forward. Versus T-B, and I have no idea on this part, uh, oin, <laughs> the management who does all of our... Uh, Uh, editing and gets things uploaded. Uh, He enjoys when I struggle with my pronunciation. It's it's (laughs) T-V-O-E-R-O-Y-N. Even reading the letters, it's like doing an eye chart test. Just got to be careful. We're going to call them TB from here on out, and they are in last place. In any case, uh, how have they done so far this year? Well, uh, KI, they won the first match nil-five on the road in the table. KI lead the second-best team in the table by 10 points, so it's their league for the taking. And meanwhile, TB, they trailed the second-to-last-place team, number nine, by four points in the table. A little bit about each, Klaxwee, K-I. That's the name of the town they're from as well. And it's the second largest in the Faroe Islands, uh, only about 5,000. And it's on the northern island of Borowoy, I'm going to pronounce it. Last year, they finished number three in the table. Talk about your best offense and defense. 51 goals, 4, and just 4 goals conceded. They're running away with things. 11-1-0 is their record. Uh, The only blemish was a home draw against the second-place team to date. Uh, Number one league scorer is on their side. Paul Klutzkarow, I'm going to pronounce it. He's an attacker. Uh, This team, historically excellent. 18 league titles. Most recent one was 2019 But that was the first time they'd won it in 20 years. And after doing so, they made the playoff round of the Europa League. And that is the best finish internationally, Champions League or Europa League, that they have ever had. Meanwhile, your challengers, if we can even call them that, (laughs) TB, they play off an island uh, called Saueroy, which is... Uh, They're on the northern part of the southern island. It's a village of maybe 2,000 people. Most interesting thing that I was able to find out about this group is it's the oldest club in the Faroe Island. And as such, uh, they get to be members of what's called the Club of Pioneers. It's a worldwide organization that is simply made up of, those that choose to be a part of it, the single oldest clubs provable in every single country purpose of the organization, uh, they say that they, uh, their mission statement is to promote the importance of football history and the grassroots and amateur game. It was founded by an English team, Sheffield FC. Not to be confused with Sheffield United or Sheffield Wednesday. I think this team plays down in like the uh, fifth or sixth tier in England. Anyway, a little bit more about TB themselves. Last year, they finished uh, number eight, so they didn't have too far to slide back, but they've managed to. Uh, They do have seven league titles to their credit, but the most recent one was back in the mid-1980s. This year, they have yet to win 0-2-9 on the season with a 6-4 to 30 against goal differential. Woof. If you can even use this phrase, best all-around player, is one of their defenders, Ndende Adama Gueye, G-U-E-Y-E. He is out of Senegal, 38 years old, and in addition to being a fine defender, has actually scored a couple of goals for them as well. And as always, I think I've done this for literally every single uh, route of the week. I try to make my own prediction, and I always come up with a score of 5-0. Our second bonus match every episode is called the most meaningless match in the world where we once again have scoured all of the top flight leagues around the world looking for two teams in the middle of their table that are equidistant from uh, international berths for tournaments and relegation spots or simply finishing in last place. We're not going to do our usual theme song this time. It was supposed to be a Wednesday match from the Guinea League One Professional In Africa, between Star and Wakria, and it got postponed. So, living up to its name, so meaningless that it's not even going to happen. On to the next. And so at last, dear New Bites, if I may lovingly refer to you as such, we have come to the end of our podcast road. It is time for the third bonus match, the 13th overall match of the 10 to track. But we're not going to change the name of the show, nor are we going to get rid of any matches. I like my 10 regular ones, and I love being my bonus matches. Especially this one, because we get to exercise demons and boo and give Bronx cheers to two of the last place teams from some top flight league in the world, which you have voted for on the Twitter poll. They are worthy of your score and they are the black sheep of their country soccer family. This is the match of Disappointed! (laughs) Kevin Sorbo's score never ceases to just absolutely gives me the shakes. So Herculean and frightening. And this is going to be fun. It was supposed to be a match from Tahiti. That was the one that got the most votes. But it turned out that that match by podcast recording time, one of the two teams was no longer in the bottom two of the standings. They had picked up one or three points somewhere and climbed up one notch in the table. So we get to hit the sixth and final confederation in the world. We're off to South America, Conmebol. This is a Monday match from... Uruguay's Primera División. Uh, they're considered to be the sixth best of the league associations out of the ten in CONMEBOL, and they do something interesting. Well, that a lot of the South American countries do. Instead of just the last place teams getting relegated from a single year, they do a points, an average points earned per match. You get three for the wins, ones for the draw, one for the draws, of course, and on a two-year table, the bottom two teams get relegated. But fear not, not only are these two teams in the bottom of this year's table, they are also in the bottom two of the overall table for relegation as well. It is number 15, Villa Española versus number 16, Boston River. A little bit about each uh, first, Villa Española, your home team, and the favorites, if such a word is even appropriate. They play out of Montevideo, the capital. Uh, it's understandable why they're so putrid. They were just promoted from the second division last year. And in fact, they didn't even win that. They finished in second place. It's very early in this particular stage, but nevertheless, they do stink, and we are going to make fun of them. And they are 0-1-3. They've only scored two goals and given up six the uh, least crappy all-around player is Nicolas DiGiano. He is a defender, 23 years old, and he's actually managed to get a goal. I guess that, that's how you're the best on the team. If you don't play offense and you get one goal for Villa Española, there you are. And I'm sure he's wishing that he would get called back to the team that actually has his rights, uh, the team that owns him, so to speak. Uh, he's on loan from uh, fourth-place Torque Montevideo. And then you're visiting not-so-much challengers, Boston River. Uh, Interesting naming history. I mean, how good is a team going to be if they're named after a tailor shop? The founder owned a tailor shop uh, called uh, Sestraria Boston. And so that's part of the reason that it got named Boston River. And then very strangely... uh, the other part of the name, uh the river, comes from River Plate, which is a very, very good team in Argentina. Not even from their own country. A little bit weird. No other connection between those two, I don't think. Uh, they play out of Montevideo as well. Last year, they finished in ninth place. They are 0 4 perfectly stinking this year with a 4-10 goal differential. Uh, least putrid player actually on the scoring leaderboard uh, very early in the stage is Ruben Betancourt, the plays striker for them. And uh, he's got a little history on his side. 2014-16, they thought well enough of him that Atalanta, out of Italy's Serie A, had the rights to him. But they mostly loaned him out. And we don't know what badness that he has done in his life to deserve such a fate as to play for Boston River. But nevertheless, here he is. We would wish these two teams good luck. But quite frankly, they're only going to experience bad luck It'll probably end in a nil-nil draw, and we're not rooting for either of these teams. So not so much good luck to either of you in Uruguay. And that is a wrap on episode 35 of the 10 to Track weekly world match previews podcast. I'd like to thank some folks for their assistance. First of all, uh, as previously mentioned, the management for his production and editing efforts. Also to Dan, the former Interno Inferno. Always on fire, in memorial. Appreciate all of your efforts and support. And, of course, to my lovely co-host daughter, nine-year-old person Noob. Love you so much. I'm so glad you're involved with this, honey. And not to be forgotten, of course, thank you very much for listening. And we hope that you'll tune in for the next episode. Until then, have a fabulous footy week. Take care.